Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Assemble, the show we come for your regular geeky download. My name's Tommy, and I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by my friend and co-host from across the pond. It's DL. How's it going, buddy? How's it going, dude? I'm uh, I'm tweaking out, man, because I heard you could catch COVID from books. <laughs> and, you know, I like to read. <laughs> so this is a big threat. Do you go to a lot of libraries at the minute? Is that what you're doing? You spend your time in libraries? <laughs> yeah, not anymore. <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> so so for, so for context before we came on the show i just flicked on instagram and i went on the new south wales sydney at, uh, instagram page and it did one of those like ask us anything about covid and we'll give you the right answer but like the first question was <laughs> could you catch covid from books and like who who asks that question It'd be pretty ironic if a book killed me because <laughs> i like them so much <laughs> I imagine your death is going to be like, have you ever seen that episode of Rick and Morty where they go to yeah. Blitz and Chits and it's uh, it's like this crazy um, space futuristic like arcade and they play this game Roy. I don't know if you remember it. Vaguely. Roy, it's like, uh, yeah. it's like this VR headset thing and they play out Roy's entire life and at the end he goes back to the carpet shop and he falls off the ladder and dies. <laughs> I imagine you're going to be the same thing. You'll get to a ripe old age and you'll think you've done really well and then you'll reach up for a book really slowly, old-agedly, and then this huge tome just falls down and whacks you on <laughs> Of course it's a huge tome. Or, you know, the COVID bug will jump out. Well, yeah, it's uh, talking of COVID, my partner actually at the moment, which really sucks considering I'm not there to, you know, bring her chicken yeah. soup and stuff. So, uh, I mean, at least I've not got it. <laughs> yeah, Touch well, you're, I'm telling you, you're pretty lame at this point. It means like you, you are very unsociable. <laughs> like, no, nah, I know you've got other am, reasons, yeah. but I, I, I do am. think it's funny the people that haven't gotten it yet. It's like, oh, we got it. It's like, well, you fucking suck, dude. <laughs> dude, you're I'm like Neo cool. from the Matrix. We've said this. I'm like fucking dodging bullets everywhere. Like, Get outside. You need a tan. You know? Yeah. What's what's been happening, buddy? What have you been up to? Like, other than getting this beautiful tan that I can't see. Yeah. To be fair. Um, I've been pretty freaking busy, but uh, it's hopefully done and I won't bore everyone with work, but I haven't even, so I was like the crazy that's the, part. That's the third week really in busy. a row, buddy. That's the third week in a row. Mate, fourth, man. I was like fourth. working during my, while I had COVID. But the, um, the crazy part is like, you know, I've been busy because I was at the very end of a Halo game. Like I could tell I was getting to the end <laughs> of the campaign. And then, like, work's just kicked off, and I just haven't been able to play it in, like, three weeks. And, like, that would just, in any other scenario or point that in really time sucks. of, like, my life where a Halo game came out, that would just not be an acceptable outcome. Like, I wouldn't no, be able to still put still an acceptable outcome. Of course, I got, but, like, I, obviously it was, like, because here we are. Um, what uh, what's happening in the campaign? Like, is it good? Like, give me some, give me some overview. Dude, it's been really good. It's been really fun. Like, the gameplay's fun. The campaign's fun. Not because the story is like immensely better. It is slightly better. There's more mystery. Okay. Oh, good. There's that more mystery, helps. and the two characters are like it's more character driven. There's two characters that are new that are fun, but the end of the villains are kind of the, again where they're lacking. Like you know, when most stories fall down, it's the villains, yeah, okay. and they 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 have a little bit more character. Like they have a little bit more going on. But the coolest part about it is more that there's just these boss battles that Halo has never had before, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, I it's mean, very. It, it sounds like it's. Well, we'll get into this in a moment. It sounds like it's gone yeah. down the sort of um, Doom 2018 version, which is very much that sort of big boss battles and epic fighting. Dude, I feel terrible. You asked me when I first got back to the UK, you said, you know, what bring, what's exciting you about being home and stuff? And I 
literally froze on the spot. I was like, oh, crap, I haven't thought of, I thought this question might have come up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, like, it's really great to hang out with my mom. And, like, we, I love taking the dogs and stuff. What I didn't tell you was <laughs> I, I've been actually getting to connect with my nephew who was born during COVID. That's and true. I hadn't met the entire time. And now I finally point. have met and hung out Is he, like, with. two now? No, nah, he's, like, one. and He was one in December, I think. So, like, he's Got one. It. And he's, you know, he's growing fast, man. Like, they grow quick at that age. I mean, they he's going to be taller than my partner soon. Uh, <laughs> he can uh, he can pretty much reach door handles now. So he's, he's at that stage. But it's just been, like, So he's reached Bruges thing. level. Yeah. Well, well, my cat can, can open I think, doors. I, anyway, I think so. your cat is significantly more intelligent than most humans, let alone, <laughs> let alone, let alone a one-year-old. Uh, but yeah, man, like it's it's been super, super great being back. But before we get into it, if anyone would like to jump around, there will be time codes in the description. As always, yeah. I love to put them in there so you guys know when there's going to be spoilers or when you can jump to different bits. If you want to hear us banter about our day, me talking about stuff that I've forgotten, like I just have. Feel free, otherwise you can jump to the main topic, which this week, once again, I think is a doozy and I'm really excited to talk about. But what have you been up to this week, buddy, other than, you know, working your ass off? Uh, look, or working not, your ass off. not much, man. I'm working my ass off. My ass has been worked off. I worked this out, sorry, by the way, recently. I think there what? are very specific words within the English and American language that, I mean, they are different languages, let's be perfectly honest, but there are ones that English people just cannot pull off. And there's ones ass. that Americans just cannot pull off. And ass is one of them. Like, if I say ass, I sound like an ass. Whereas if you say it, it sounds natural. But you can't say ass, which is what we arse. say. So. Yeah, exactly. Your you arse. sound like you're trying to put put a bad accent on. It just sound, <laughs> I sound like a moose. Like, arse. Arse. Um, <laughs> sound like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't think about that. But I also just would never say arse. I always thought it was <laughs> super weird. I was like, why is there's no R? Why would you? What's going on? Well, there is the way we spell it, A R S. You literally spell it that way? Yeah, it's a, it's a literal word. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even say ass. You would say, you would spell out arse. I mean, it's it's two separate words, and I guess the way the UK dialect works, arse makes more sense by the way we. I guess that makes sense. Phonetically pronounce things, whereas you guys say ass, and Got it's it. like there's there's about six different A's in there, all said in different tones. Fair. Anyway, I watched the Spider-Man Homecoming. Which, you know, with, with Gail, because she's like, I really want to watch the new Spider-Man. Everyone's talking about it. I was like, well, I'm not just going to let you watch that. You have to at least watch the first three of this, or the first two of this, you know, iteration of Spider-Man. I think this is an opportunity, actually, for yourself. You've never watched the Andrew Garfield ones, am I right? I haven't, no. Maybe you could find some time in this you know, all the time you have at the moment because you're clearly really, really being lazy at the moment and not yeah, doing I've anything. Yeah, I've got... Uh, yeah. You could try and <laughs> squeeze in at least one of the Andrew Garfield ones. I would I would be down. Well, I think what I'll do is I'll get her hooked on these two and, yes. like, I'll do the next one with uh, Tom Holland and then I'll be like, okay, before this, we have to go back and watch the Garfield ones. Nice. Not really the nice. Toby. Like, we could watch the Toby ones, but I just think I've seen them a million times. I, I Yeah, I have. I don't really want to, and I think it's going to be a hard convince for her, so I'm just like, do I need to? So, so they're quite earnest, the Toby ones. It's It's tough to go back and watch them now, considering how Marvel movies are these days. So, like, the MCU has made it so that it feels real. Like, the conversations people are having feel like real conversations. Whereas when you go back and you watch these movies and it's real earnest and you, you don't get the feeling that it's a it real... It feels fake. 
Yeah, it feels yeah. like a like a like it feels a, like it's a meant a to be a moment. Yeah, it yeah. sounds really <laughs> stupid because it obviously is a script, but it's, it all feels scripted. You're like, this doesn't feel natural. Whereas the new ones, like all of it, does. No, that makes sense. Look, I, I was just like stoked to watch it because I'd seen it a while and I knew yeah for sure that she would like it, and um, she did. And the funny part, she, she, but she, she kept being like, it. well, I don't understand. Like, what happened? Like, how did he get his powers? Why don't we see that? I was like, oh, don't make me explain why they didn't do that. Because <laughs> you're just going to get bored. <laughs> you see, well, that's there was ironic. this dispute it's, it's, about it's, Sony. and <laughs> It's ironic that she uh, she doesn't want to watch the older ones. Like, she wouldn't have watched them with you. And now she's like, but how did he get it? It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah but like, well, because it's like, <laughs> you trust me, if you were... Had seen the other ones, you wouldn't want to see that story again. You'd be glad they I skipped guess. it. Yeah. Well, she might. She might just see some of it if she uh, does watch the, the the latest one. Spoilers for Spider Man Far From Home. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, do they sit? Do they show it a bit? No, they. Don't. I don't remember. But like, spo- spoilers for No yeah. No Way Home. They at the end of it, like they do the whole with great power comes great responsibility from. And oh, that she part. She does it yeah, instead, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 of course. That's yeah. midway through ish. Uh, sort of. I don't so know. Anyway, sorry. So you what? So so she enjoyed it then. She did, and uh, I was. Is that just? I, it makes me intrigued. Like, are they maybe gonna ever explore his background when it happened later, or do you think that's just not gonna happen with him? Good question. Maybe like even great question. Maybe fa- like flashbacks or something like that. No reason to. I, I don't, guess, but I don't think they need to. Like, yeah, I don't either. You know what I mean? Like, but I think he's got to a point now where he 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 has evolved kind of past that necessity. Like, you don't need to have that in the movie anymore. Like, he is now his own character. Yeah. We all know yeah. who Spider-Man is. I personally, I've said this before, like I like how the video game did it and would be interested in seeing a version where it is, he is older, you know, like he, he has, he has aged up a little bit in terms of literally Tom Holland's character. Give him a couple of years off. You know what I mean? Let him make Uncharted 7 and 12. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, and then bring him back. But do you think he's going to meet uh, a Harry Osborn? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that is definitely in the near future of this. I think that'd be cool. Oscorp. Yeah. I don't know about Harry Osborn specifically, but definitely Norman Osborn. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it sort of in the way that the video game had done it, as as in like he knew Harry Osborn from when he was maybe younger in school, uh, and Harry Osborn had gone away to do something somewhere else, and he was he was you know off I don't know on a school trip or he'd moved yeah. away for a while, but Oscorp was always there in the background, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I watched. Wouldn't be surprised. I heard there was. Yeah. I. I don't think. What else? I. I played a lot of Halo way back when, but it's all outdated now. So I'll let you talk about what you've done. What? Well, I think you'd be interested in a couple of these bits actually. What? What? Tell me, Thomas. What have you done (laughs) lately? I will listen. I love this energy. Gladly. Molded by it. Are we just going to be Bane for the rest of the episode? That could be a real boring episode for people. Carry on. Show me his body. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, literally, we could do this all, all day. I did a couple of actually really interesting things this week, one of which I think you'll be interested in. Uh, first and foremost, I watched. I started watching a thing on YouTube. It's called Nerdstalgic, right? So it's this sort of... And I watch a lot of these on YouTube, and I don't usually bring them up, but I found this one particularly interesting. They do, like, throwbacks to, like, oh, what happened with this series, or what was the go with X and Y... And this one was, of course, it was on Power Rangers in the background of Power Rangers. And it was okay, just like a 15-minute breakdown. They do all kinds <laughs> of stuff, right? This was just one that I spotted on the channel. And I actually, for once, think the guy's pretty good. And he's he's earnest enough and kind of sarcastic enough without falling into the trap of 
everything has to be a joke. So he's actually yeah. pretty good. He's quite good to watch. And he's just got this page full of them. So one thing I, I love is like a good YouTube channel, man. I, I know so many and follow so many, but if anyone, any of our listeners, you know, they do have any recommendations on YouTube channels, hit us up because I, I, I need a new one. I am busting through YouTube content at the moment at, at a stupid pace. So hit us up. Uh, at Podcast Assemble on Instagram and let us Please know. Please do. Uh, I feel like the only time I go onto YouTube is when I get into like a Joe Rogan like hole. I bet now I probably listen listen and watch more YouTube because I actually, I actually get it now. Like, so there's this, I, I actually have the paid version and I genuinely probably watch more YouTube now than I do Spotify. Oh, yeah, you guys, <laughs> didn't you send me the hack? Yes. <laughs> Let's not talk about that some here because I, I, I don't want it to go away mysteriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll there's a back. hack for how you can get youtube premium uh very yeah. cheap but i don't i don't i don't want it to magically disappear because it's out in the open so we just we'll talk about that another time yeah anyway as if as if like the google would know yeah who knows well i mean they they literally like have so many bots out there they literally scrub the web yeah so they could be listening to us now they could do it man they, they listen to us all the time uh i did do one other thing i think you'll like super quickly uh, we talked about the Amazon Prime series, A Wheel of Time, a couple of times. Yeah. And I did finally, finally, finally get around to watching the first episode. And it's all right. It didn't really, like, grab me in the way, like, you know, a, a really a really interesting, well-budgeted show like Game of Thrones or just any HBO thing really Well, think about the do. first episode of Game of Thrones. It was, like, so fucking like metal bro it was like yeah, a fucking like it was that. a great episode right yeah. i wonder so i'm curious if this like you know if th- that this didn't live up to that is interesting no well yeah. i would probably recommend i'll say i assume this has i'd say it has a higher budget than the game of thrones initial episodes did but i just feel like the hbo content in itself is just aimed at a more mature audience they just don't they, they just throw you in right like that first thrones episode there's no fucking around. It's you're you're in the forest with the White Walkers, yeah. and they're like stalking you like horror. Whereas this, for me, it had sort of the production value of like a pretty good like BBC fancy show, like a Merlin or a Three Musketeers type show. I don't know how much about you know you know about them, but like they're good and they're good. They've got a good budget, but they they've just kind of got this thing about them that makes me think, oh, this has. This isn't necessarily like for adults. This has like a, an edge to it that will will make it sort of appeal to kids as well. What? Which one does the Wheel of Time? Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like these BBC shows I'm talking about, I feel like yeah. it has that sort of uh, edge to it as well. Um, it's got a lot of bloodshed, and there's a lot of that sort of stuff in there too, uh, which obviously you know would aim it towards adults more than kids. But I just think the way it's written and the way it's shot and the way it's it's just too crisp for me. Like I like, I like yeah. it when this type of fancy show has a bit of edge to it and maybe a bit of like great, you know, grayness to it. And I don't know. Would you, are you still gonna watch it? I I will watch it eventually, but I kind of want to read the books first. And I think we talked about this already, oh, so I'll be quick. Course, yeah. But I just wanna. I, I I'm not gonna read those books for a while. Like I'm saving those ones for some time where but I have a lot of for yeah. when they're gonna fall off the shelf and kill you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For when I want to get some COVID. Round you know? two. <laughs> get the COVID from the pages. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm I'm curious what you think about it as you, like a lot of people claim it's one of the best out there. So yeah. now, I don't know what that has to do with the, the series. That's why I'm holding judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some fans moment. are not super stoked on like certain choices they've made. 
Okay, all right. I'm, Would, I'm, I'm not 100% on all the actors at this moment. So it's a case of, I'm going to give it a couple more episodes. Give it its due, man. Like, I can't just watch one episode yeah. and go, fuck this, this is crap. I'll give, I'll give it time. I mean, like, it's, every series has, like, people that are like, fuck this, it's not like the books. Like, But I've heard this is, like, significantly, like, a strong contingent. Similar, like, I don't think if you watched the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, people would be all that pissed. Like, most people were like, fuck, this is a really good adaption. Like, well, I you think know, that's the difference. I, th- I think yeah. it's a case of it's it's a really good TV show that is an adaption of the books, right? Yeah. So, like, I watched I watched that first season, first three seasons, maybe without having really any idea about the books, Same. other than other yeah. than maybe the twist at the end of the first season. And because it's such a good TV show, it do- you don't need to think about the books. Whereas with this, it's that kind of I feel like it, from just from the first episode, it's a case of without knowing the books without knowing some of the lore at least i'm a little lost and i can tell it's an adaptation of something else rather than it just being a good tv show totally and the last thing i've been doing this last week was i told you i think i mentioned last week i finally got the witcher 3 and i've been putting a little bit of time into it and it's funny because i've probably put in a good like 10 15 ish hours you know a, a, a sizable amount for people our age yeah. to be playing a video game. Barely made a dent. Well, I realized that uh, as I turned it off yesterday that I've just got to the bit I got to last time I played it. So I've, <laughs> I've played the same amount of the video game. I'm like, oh, all right. I, I to be honest, since we've uh, since we've watched the new Witcher, I've been like wanting to play the game. Yeah, well, that's honest. it. It's like it's reignited my desire to finish the game because I never finished it. I got pretty. Well, close. I don't think many people do. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, th- so there's like all these expansions as well that are apparently yeah. better stories in the original game. Like a lot. Well, of I've got the that, Wild Hunt. So. That's the one I've got. The Wild Hunt is the one that everyone you know goes on about as if that's it's... the original one. But they're sorry, the ori- but they have expansions. I thought that was an expansion. They have expansions after the Wild Hunt that continue the story. Okay, I don't think I need more story to this game. <laughs> I think there's enough to this game already. That's what I was thinking, but now I'm like kind of into it. I'm like, fuck, I actually want to go play it again. But again, no fucking time. I th- well. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. Minor spoilers for the second season of The Witcher. It, at the end of the show, we see Ciri has been uh, hunted or being chased by the wild hunt, right? And that's yeah. sort of what the beginning of the third game is setting up, that you're having to go on this quest to find her to yeah. save her from the wild hunt, basically. And I have no idea what the wild hunt is at this point. So I'm excited to learn a bit more about that and how that might affect, you know, the, the TV show and, you know, Ciri yep. in this story. So... I'm interested. Like it, it's it's kind of got me hooked enough. Like I'm not a massive fan of the gameplay. Like it's a you can tell it's a little dated now. It's a bit janky, but like Dude, it's, it's it, fun. It, yeah, I agree. I like the one thing is like for how herald like heralded heralded yeah heralded. You're the one that corrects heralded. my words. I'm not. I'm not your dictionary today. Come on, man. You've been awake all day. I've been awake for no time. Tommy, that is <laughs> fair, but I'm also very exhausted anyway space the man. game what was i gonna say man the fucking herald I totally forgot what i was gonna say oh yeah the 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 fighting is terrible yeah, it's not great like, like it's well it's not terrible like there's a certain element of fun to it but it just doesn't feel like it just feels a bit it doesn't feel smooth it doesn't feel like it's got like weight to it a, a lot yeah. of it also is the camera angle i find as well like a lot yeah, of times I, I'll be I, they should something. just stick with like a third like a full like behind the shoulder view, yeah. Find a way to do, it. and it, it almost turns into a different game when you fight, and it shouldn't feel like that. Anyway, yeah. Well, I mean, like I'm, I'm with you on that because, like, you'll be fighting, and I don't know where the camera will flip sides, and you'll be like, it's in front of you, and you're like, I, I'm, I'm confused. I was looking at the thing a minute ago. Where is it? 
and yeah, you, it's it makes it kind of more challenging. I think the way the reason they do that is because there is a lot of like skill and dynamic to it, where like you uh -huh. fight multiple groups, you have to like know where people are, and if it's an over the shoulder yeah. view, you can't. But there's got to be a middle ground. Anyway, I just I just throw fire at them stun them a little bit and then i attack them that's all i do every time and it works every time i fought like the stun the stun the, is overpowered no it's the it's the, the fire stuns them a bit as well so if you use the fire it hurts them and stuns them so i've, I've started using that if you beef up the stun dude people literally just go flying oh that's really yeah like through the air like anyway. <laughs> um we well, should move well, on speaking of gaming news did you hear this week and i've got some fantastic fantastic news this week and i think you're gonna enjoy this one mainly because it's ridiculous and i thought maybe we'd bring back your weird gaming news section just for just for <laughs> one week how does that sound sounds great mate well did you I'm hear in. that in the world of gaming there is an fps in the works actually by a fan so it's a fan-made fps however it is a game where you can hunt down and shoot pokemon have you heard about this Oh God! Like no. um, I I I've seen clips of this and it looks hilarious, like genuinely ridiculous. You are r running through like a forest and then I don't know, like a Charizard runs up to you or something, and you've got to like shoot a certain amount. Of time. Oh my God! <laughs> it looks great. I feel like that'll get shut down for sure. The sad news about this is exactly that it, yeah. it <laughs> appears to have become the prey because apparently Nintendo are looking to shut down the project, which is sad, man. I like when new inventive things come out. I mean, it's fair. They don't want their fucking Pokemon to be just, like, shot <laughs> on YouTube. Like. What's out there? It's out in the wild now. You can see it on YouTube. You can see him shooting uh, Mewtwo, I believe. I don't know all of the Pokemons. Well, that seems... A shooting a Mewtwo seems fair. Yeah, he's isn't he the angry yeah. one? I'm Those sure he's the angry one. He's not a nice one. There's, there's lots of nice ones, though. Keeping on the gaming news trend, did you also hear this week that EA Respawn Entertainment, they're rumored to be working on no less than three, three Star Wars games. Three Star Wars games? Yeah, and we haven't had a Star Wars game in a little while. Is that like the Jedi one? There's a squad fighter one and then uh, probably a Fallen Order. I got all three, I bet you. No, mm, close. There's a sequel to Fallen Order that's coming out. There's going to be an FPS apparently, Ooh. which I assume is going to be in the sort of vein of like your uh what was it battle yeah yeah battleground or whatever battleground or whatever it's called oh, and yeah. an XCOM style game which is like a strategy game where you'll be like oh this group needs to go over here and attack these guys so oh wow so it's one for three one for three not not, not your best odds but would you no. would you dive into any of them um i would play the fps avi oh yeah i would play what was the first one the fallen order the fallen order i want to play I want to play the first Fallen Order. And the first My one, only problem so. with those those Star Wars games is that you have a lightsaber, right? And yes. in in canon, lightsabers can pretty much kit through anything. You've complained you've complained about this before. Yes. I know, but tell tell <laughs> me I'm tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. I mean it's true. Why why can why can a stormtrooper take twelve hits from my from my lightsaber that can cut through anything. I mean, it is it is a it is a bit dumb. I agree. I think I think we've talked about this before, but my I think if they made a really tiny tweak to the cannon just for the video games, you could make that work. So it's a case of the stronger you are as a Jedi, the stronger your lightsaber is in terms of what it can cut through. So like when you're a low level Jedi, you you don't have a powerful enough force. Yeah, because it's tied to your 
force. Exactly. Yeah, it's your force tied powers. to your what are the what are the Star it's Wars fans? Tied to your force. It's tied to your medichlorines or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the medichlorines. Oh god, they're terrible. But I, that's how you could make it work. And I, I think if they, but they can't do that now. They can't retrospectively go in and change all that. I don't know if you heard this week, but speaking of. Uh, the Wheel of Time. Disney Plus is apparently looking to move forward with an adaptation of Percy Jackson's Lightning Thief as a TV series. Now, I know they tried to do this as a movie probably three, maybe five-ish years ago, and it was apparently pretty terrible. But this one's apparently going to be a more faithful adaptation, which is going to make fans go crazy. So, have oh, you? Yeah. do you know anything about The Lightning Thief? Have you read these books? No. I haven't. Would you watch an adaptation on screen of a book series you have no idea about? <laughs> what is it about? Is it just like a fantasy novel? Uh, yes, it is, essentially. <laughs> I think he's something like Zeus's son, or I, I honestly have is not. Is it the Percy Jackson series? Yes, that's the one. Oh, yeah, I've I've heard of it. My brother used to read it. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe I can do this with your brother next time. We can give a bit yeah. of insight. It's like mythos and mythology and fun shit like that. Is yeah. he going to do as a, uh, a theme anytime soon? No. i was gonna do a bane voice but i couldn't think of what to say speaking of that actually i've I've actually been working with a with a friend of the show um i'm not gonna say anything yet but on a just a potential little remix of our theme tune just a little version version. friend of the show reached out and wanted to know if we could uh they could do an abit version for us so maybe if we're doing a gaming episode we can bring the 8-bit version along well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> i think it, it sounds cool to me so why not well speaking of the news that's not a good segue did you hear this week that hashtag make tasm 3 the amazing spider-man 3 was trending on twitter with a lot of people calling for andrew garfield to get another shot doing the spider-man role well while this was happening <laughs> at the same time we also had uh, an interview happening with the three Spider-Mens, who I guess by now everyone knows because it's the posters are out there. And so Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. And Tobey Maguire was saying that he doesn't feel his chapter of being Spider-Man is closed. He wants to come back and redo the role. What do you think about that? <laughs> Fucking Sony is just so stoked about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So They're just stoked. like, fuck it. We'll do all three. Like... <laughs> And meanwhile, so I thought you were going to say this. Meanwhile, an interview with Deadline, fucking Tom Holland's like the truthful answer, like about, you know, if he's going to come back with uh, to be doing more movies is I've done a whole press tour where all I do is lie. The truth is you're not going to like the truth. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. I love this character and I know that I'm not ready to say goodbye, but it's, if it's time for me to say goodbye, then I will do so proudly knowing that I achieved everything I wanted to do with him. He's coming back, like regardless. Of course he's coming back, but it's obviously a contract negotiation thing. And at the same time as this is happening, Sony's getting all these other people saying, I'm down to be Spider-Man. They can just lowball Tom Holland. I don't think they could ever do that. They just couldn't do it. I reckon reckon they'll use Tom Holland in one more MCU movie to bring in Miles Morales. And then really sparingly, and maybe maybe the way Tony Stark was used in like a mentor role down the line. You know, like just popping in. I like him in the MCU. Just let them have Tom Holland. But I, I don't think it works like that. That's annoying. <laughs> it is it is annoying. Well, anyway, did you hear this week? Speaking of MCU, did yes. you also hear this week? I think I texted you about this, actually. It was really funny because I was sat in my living room watching the news, which is something I don't regularly do, especially local fucking news. <laughs> and it turns out that where, I, where I'm from in the UK, Yorkshire, if anyone has guessed my accent, 
has become a hub for the new Marvel Secret Invasion TV show. And it just so happens that the likes of Samuel Jackson and Amelia Clark were just hanging out down the road from where I live. Uh, literally about a 15-minute drive from where I am, there's like a pizza trattoria. And Sam Samuel Jackson was just, you know, just, just in there for a cheeky meal. Did you see him? As you, as you do. I, I didn't see him, but it was on the news. And I was like, this is this is really fun. And they got a bunch of pictures of them on set. And it's it's literally on my doorstep. I couldn't have been any closer and not had any idea this was going on. I was wondering from that, have you... Uh, have you ever met a celebrity? Yeah, I have. I've met a few. Um, God, you don't sound really enthused about that. Jeez. No, I mean, it's just like I grew up, grew up in Los Angeles. So like you just see people. I didn't really like Oh, I grew up in Los Angeles. Them, <laughs> you're going to say that. Um, I met like I was at a Dodger game. And you remember Turk from the Scrubs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Donald Faison. Absolute legend. So I was coming up from like the like I had like good tickets this time because my dad like got it. <laughs> Not that our normal ones aren't. They're pretty good. But we like were behind the dugout. And like he was borrowing, he got offered them from someone and I was going to go get like, I don't know, Coke or pretzel or something. Hot and I was dog. coming back with like my arm full of like food and soda. And uh, I just like look, I almost drop it and I look up and I almost had run into Turk. <laughs> his name's not fucking Turk. I don't know what his name is. Donald Faison. Donald Faison. And I just look up and I'm like, holy shit, Turk. <laughs> What and he, he like smiles at me. He's like fucking idiot. Like smiles. Like gives me like the eye nod. Stop, stop talking. And just walks by. And I was just like, oh wow, I fucking blew that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, like imagine you're just like looking down at your feet, like almost dropping something, and then like putting your head up, and you just see fucking Turk. Like, what are you gonna say? Um, uh, it's Turk. You'd be you'd be like eagle. Yeah, eagles. <laughs> <laughs> or like, what are the other things they do? They have a bunch of shit. Sorry about it, yeah. man. That, sh that show is literally my, like, university youth. That is what I grew up with. I love those shows. And it was really funny. I've Obviously, like I said, I've, I've been at home for the last few weeks, and I've had a big clear out of all my stuff. I'm like, you know, I don't need any stuff. I've got, like, DVDs and CDs. Who uses CDs? DVDs and CDs running back for years. And I had pretty much all of the seasons of Scrubs on DVD. And I was like begrudgingly getting rid of them i was like oh maybe i could just keep one of these it's like no it yeah. needs to go what do you know but I, like where is that on streaming wise surely someone's bought the right it's on there somewhere Could've. it's definitely one of them i can't remember in australia i can't 100 remember it might be binge maybe but i i don't think i've ever actually met a celebrity like in irl really i've met a couple i met a What's the guy's name that's like Brock Lesnar? Oh, really? Met him. What's he like yeah, in real big, life? Large. I bet. Large person. Is he as, is he as much large. of an ass or is he just like... He's pretty chill. Okay, cool. I just, you know, what's he going to say to me? It's I'm a just character. some skinny guy yeah. that doesn't fight in MMA. Like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you, you probably have literally nothing in common. I think he's gone back to the WWE, I believe, from something I've seen. So he is Good now room. back in that, making all the monies. But the only one I've really met is, funnily enough, when I was the one time I've ever been in LA when I was like 21. I well, there you go. Fuck well, off. I haven't met them. Let me finish. I was in a hostel at the time. I was walking to a party, and I walked past this. Uh, how to describe it? It was just like a closed event, basically. Like you couldn't get any, you couldn't get anywhere near it. There was security everywhere, but there was a an ambulance outside. And they were bringing someone yeah. out on like a stretch, like a stretcher, just completely covered in a sheet, so you couldn't see who it was, like to, to hide their identity, basically. Sitting up, they were fine. Yeah, yeah. And walking behind it was Jason Segal, who is in How I Met Your Mother, uh, and all those programs. Yep, and yep, it he's was great. Yeah, it was that. It was a launch party for I Love You, Man. I think. I think it was that year. 
so it was like the after party for the for the premiere and i was i walked by and i was like jason i love you man and it was just like mm. yeah cool and i was like fangirling so hard at that exact moment it was really really sad yeah they're just kind of like whatever like yeah. can you imagine being them and just people doing that all the time you'd be like you i guess you would literally respond exactly as yeah like, just, yeah yes yeah. this is me like toby mcguire who hates it please yeah he's he's famous for hating it oh famously hates it hey look guys if you have met a celebrity and you want to tell us your fun stories or we've not said some news that you want to talk about this week i know i've skipped over some moon night news but let us know you can find us at podcast assemble on instagram or the podcast assemble gmail.com final bit of news before we move on to our main topic did you hear this week dre and everyone out there that christopher nolan's oppenheimer movie has officially been confirmed to start principal photography on the 23rd of february now this is going to be an absolutely huge movie right so it's got emily blunt it's got Celia murphy it's got florence Pugh, it's got matt damon it's got remy malik it's got uh robert downey jr it's got josh hartnett <laughs> everyone that's ever been in a fucking mullen movie did you just say josh hartnett now that's a really interesting tidbit right so josh hartnett was originally originally approached to be batman in christopher nolan's trilogy and he turned it down because he didn't want to be typecast as a superhero and this is the one one of the things in his career that he regrets to the hilt because not only was it a case he would have been potentially one of the you know one of the most influential superhero movies of all time but also the chance to work with chris nolan who you know he's got his his little list of collaborators he likes to stick with a similar crew and regularly brings them back so he missed out on all of that so it's interesting that he's back in this one what happened to him he like was not he's been out of any he hasn't been in anything in ages he did a tv show not long ago and it was fairly well received i watched like the first couple of episodes i can't remember what it was it was like in victorian england or something and it had um and, and it had magic and i think like sort of fairies and that kind of thing as well it was all right i watched like the first maybe half a series and it was pretty good but i haven't seen him in a lot man well anyway do you do you want to premise our main topic this week uh sure tommy it is a interstellar (laughs) we are doing the uh what is it the fifth we're back yeah with our fourth in our anthology of Chris Nolan. And I'm excited for this one, man. It's, it's one we've talked about a number of times and never really gone into a lot of depth with. So I'm really interested to, to get into this. But before we do, do you want to give me your stupid plot summary of Chris Nolan's 2014 Interstellar? This is all the prep I've done today and it is, it is good stuff, mate. I'm excited. Hit me with it. Do you? Yeah, well, I won't even preface it. Gary Chaplin's sixth love language is multi-dimensional space, time, and travel. <laughs> if you know who Gary Chaplin is, he is the guy that wrote a very famous book about relationships, the five languages of love. Well, the fifth love language that he didn't figure out is multi-dimensional space, time, travel. So they found it out. This is it. Chris Nolan has yeah. filled in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. Wow. When you have to explain your jokes, they're not that great, I guess. But No, uh, I, I, always, I always say that. They're the best kind of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mine really quickly is, an impossible black structure appears, providing a connection between the past and the future. Our astronauts are sent on a mysterious mission that results in a mind-bending trek through space and time. This is 2000 Monospace. No, wait, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> one second, one more. No, no, this is it. All right, I've got it now. In an ambitious story, our heroes realize they must work together or perish on a doomed planet. 
the population's future has one last chance to survive by jettisoning, jettisoning off-planet on an arc towards new further planets to recolonize. This is the third episode of Loki TV show Lamentis. No, that's not right either. God, I've, I've <laughs> lost this completely. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> we, might, we might just have to move on. Uh, could you guess me the IODB score for this? 7-8. Ooh, it's not. It's 8.6 out of 10. God, that's really high. Which I'm really interested by because it is. But when you hear the Rotten Tomatoes and the Metacritic, I wonder how you'll react knowing how high that is. Like, tell me what you think the percentage rot- Rotten Tomatoes score is. 77. 77. It's 72, which I think mm. is quite low for this. Like, I feel like he's got a lot of stands, you know, like a lot of people who absolutely buzz off him, Chris Nolan. I would have thought that would have been hiked up a little bit. And it's not dissimilar to the Metacritic score, which I, I would I would ask you to guess, but I've kind of given it away already, is uh, is 74. <laughs> so, okay. I don't know, man. They're kind of mixed, I would say. Would you say that? Uh, look, I think that... This movie does feel like, you know, if you're a Christopher Nolan fan, you give it that eight. What do you say, eight six? Yeah. Like that that even that that's a bit aggressive. You'd give it like that's a high. low a low eight, right? If you're a Christopher Nolan fan who's also grounded in reality, you'd be like, this is too long, so that makes it like a seven five, right? Like, yes. like it should have been shorter, and it would have been like a real eight. But because it's so long, you're like, it's above average. It's a seven five, and it's. That that's my take. It's not a it's not a bad movie. It's just too much. I'm 100 percent with you on that. Yeah. Look, we're gonna we absolutely gonna talk about that because yeah, I have some like I genuinely really like this movie, but I found myself towards the end being like, this is this is a lot of things and completely unnecessary things. But before yeah. we do that, this movie has a bunch of really cool acts. Actually, people, I'd actually not some I didn't even know were in this. So obviously Matthew McConaughey's in this. We've got Anne Hathaway. Uh, we of course have Bill Lithgow. Bill Lithgow, John Lithgow, I'm t- talking absolute nonsense. Bill Owen, uh, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. Michael Caine's obviously back for this, Casey Affleck. But I'd for- completely forgotten that Matt Damon, for a start, was in this. And there's Timothy Chalamet in this as well. I had no idea he was in this. Yeah, he's like the little son, isn't he? Yes. I forgot that he's in it. Yeah. So we'll talk about this in a moment. But there are multiple generations, or at least multiple versions of different characters in this through their ages. And... Timothy Chalamet is great in this. He plays a moody teenager just the way a moody teenager would. Yeah, and he, he always plays a moody teenager these days, doesn't he? Whether he's the king. He really does. Whether he's the fucking Prince Atriad or whatever. Whether He's always a moody teenager. Little emo boy. Atreides, yeah. we. I need to rewatch. Uh, I, I need to watch The King. It sounds great. Before we move on then, do you want to tell me who you think is the, is the goofiest IMDb picture? I'm going to quickly send you a pic now and we're going to add this to our instagram like we did this week thank you everyone who voted on our instagram for martin star of course he was the goofiest imdb of last week and remains our current mvp ah! oh my god this guy can you explain the challenger to me this week this is and... mark Kazmir dinovitz jr which is a great name to start with i'm already into this. but do you, do you not think he looks like he's just come out of like auditioning for a guns and roses musical and this picture's got like one of those crap Photoshop filters that's like oil painting or sketch me. <laughs> yeah, it's like grainy as it's grainy white. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like terrible. What you see on like a on like a crappy salon salon door. Yeah, kind of. It's so yeah. bad. And I I kind of love it though. Like it's kind of fantastic. We're gonna post these so you guys can vote on our Instagram of which you think is the the goofiest. But Dre, between yeah. 
Mark Kazmir Dinovich Jr. And of course, Martin Starr, our current MVP. Which do you think is the goofiest of the IMDb? Um, I'm going <laughs> to give it to uh, Fabio. This 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 Fabio guy. Fabio! Who is <laughs> like what he looks like. Dinovitz Jr. is our new MVP. We have a winner. He's the dude. Amazing. Yeah. According to me, which really doesn't mean much. <laughs> I wondered if we could maybe tweak this section. Because obviously it's very visual and it's fun to have the interaction on Instagram. But I wonder if we could change it moving forward. Tell them what you think. Or listeners, tell us what you think at Podcast Assemble on Instagram. Could we do it as what's the goofiest IMDb role for a movie? So I tell you a diff- a, a role that someone has. Like a title. Yes. Yes. And then you have to guess who it is having seen it. That would be a very good little... Look at this. Look at us flow. Look at us Look at this. us go. So, for example, Mark Casimir Dinovitz Jr., he plays uncredited NASA inspector, which I think so is he's a, a double fantastic whammy. role. He's a double whammy. He wins both. He is great. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He wins both. It's a, it's awesome. So that maybe we'll maybe we'll look to integrate that a little bit moving forward. But let's talk about Interstellar then. Like this obviously came out in 2014. It's Chris Nolan at his his most mind bending and most interesting. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the plot? Yeah. So the plot. Well, we follow uh, Matthew McConaughey plays an ex ass ex-astronaut who Coop. you know there's not really space in the world for astronauts anymore the, it's a f- it's the future right so it's sort of 50 50-ish years in the future yep the, the earth is dying and they don't have money to do that shit right they need farmers they need people to like research how to make food because the earth is dying and so that's what they do he lives out on a farm he doesn't really like it right no um, he's got two kids eventually we figure out that you know the world is dying they are fucked it wasn't really clear before they thought they were going to be fine but there's actually a secret project that is meant to basically shoot humanity out into the the interstellar to hopefully repopulate you know the other worlds in future generations like clones of us or little, little little like petri dishes of us there's a side mission where they're hoping that maybe they might find a, a more livable world, but that is very unlikely. And our, our hero, Matthew McConaughey, who has been aching to stop become, being a farmer, decides he needs to go out on this basically suicide mission through a wormhole to find the next world that is livable to save both his family and humanity. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the two missions... Mission A, PG version, where they're trying to basically seed the universe with these little uh, petri dishes of humans. Oh, okay. Interesting phrasing. Is the primary mission. But mission B, where they basically try and use this wormhole to find a livable planet, is only usable if they can crack this code, this algorithm for how to come back. Correct. Which is basically a big math problem about time travel. Which they're struggling with. I, th- I think this movie is summed up best by its tagline, which is, mankind was born on Earth, but it was never meant to die here. And I think that sort of like sums up a lot of where this movie yeah. stems from and how it sort of sets itself up. I think the, the world building to begin with in this is, is super fucking interesting, the way they build this. Like you said, dystopian world. It's not quite. It's just Do you know about. what I mean? Like I agree, I agree with you, but it's like it's on the cusp of being Well, in the beginning, world. you feel it's on the cusp, but you find out that actually they, they're, they, they've basically done the it's math. It's further along fucked. than, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fucked. But it is, it's exactly what you're saying. It is like quite well-trodden sci-fi ground. 
I think personally, you know, the earth is dying. Yeah. We need to find a new planet or recolonize space extinction. Except this film has so much corn in it. There's a lot of corn. So much corn. Which is not very different from the current state. And I don't mean the band. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of corn in America. Yeah, I know. Look, you, you, you cut me off because I was meandering because it is a confusing story. But the, the It's a very confusing it, story. In essence, disasters, famine, the way to fix it, interstellar travel, a newly discovered wormhole, which, oh, who did, do we just discover those every day? I guess so. Allows them to go into the far reaches of the solar system with a team of astronauts where no man has done before and basically try and find a planet that might sustain human life or worst case throw the yeah. seeds out there and we follow that exactly it's so yeah. there's a lot of like not really it's a lot of rumbling but it's kind of right yeah. there's a lot of kind of interwoven stories happening at the same time and some people know certain things and other people don't and we've obviously followed coop who's matthew mcconaughey and it's it's sort of like i mean the the crux of this story is based on his decision whether he essentially agrees to go on this mission to save mankind or stay with his kids right that's kind of the crux of it so it's it's which is which is the the bigger problem to him which is really interesting and i i've talked before a little bit about um parts of movies i have in my head you know so we've got ones you've seen the cinema ones that i I, i'm probably never going to watch ones that i'm happy to wait to come on streaming ones that i'll just watch on an airplane yes uh this falls into a brand new pot of movies for me and i i've this is one i only thought of i was watching this which is I really, really, really like this movie. It's fantastic. It's interesting. It's big. It's bold. The The cinematography is amazing. But it's not a movie I'm interested in watching again and again and again. Like, I can watch it the one time, and I don't, I don't need to watch it again, you know? I was down to watch it again, and then I got tired. Uh, it takes a long time to get to the yeah, point. It's a long movie. Like, it takes a long time it's to get to, like, the, 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 in, the action. You know, it's a long setup, this one. I remember they were, like, going through the wormhole, and it was, like, an hour and 15 minutes in, and I was like, literally nothing has happened yet. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about, yeah, yeah, well, we'll talk about pacing in a minute, yeah. I think. But I think that's one thing that maybe this movie, and Chris Nolan in general, perhaps uh, gets a little carried away with. Like, there are so many storylines in this, and there's so much happening. I feel like the last half an hour could have been cut completely. And when we get to spoilers, I've got some bits I'd love to talk to you about with that because the ending is, it's bold and it's interesting and it, it kind of changes the entire tone of the movie. Um, because this movie's fucking bleak, man. Like, you tell me what you think, but like the whole out first hour, hour and a half, like you say, set on Earth, it's so like desolate. Yep. I mentioned corn as a joke before. It really is like this. This is like the nightmare of that. Do, do you remember that Rick and Morty episode, interdimensional travel? And there's a there's like a show where everyone in the in the TV show is corn. It's like the nightmare of that TV yeah. show because all I eat is goddamn corn. Uh, and, and like I say, it just makes me sad. And I think that's part of the reason why I find this hard movie to go back to. Probably around the fact that. That's kind of the way the world is probably going in the not too distant future. Yeah, it's a little bit too close to home, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it is a little bit. It is a little bit. Look, it's a, yeah. I I agree. I look. I'm a big fan of the movie. I just you know, it, it's some depend. You have to be in the right state of mind and mood, and you have to have some time on your yeah. hands. Um, exactly. And and you mentioned before, it, it it sort of it does follow the story of Coop's family as well, and it's interesting because not only does it focus on matthew mcconaughey going to space the interesting part about him going to space is that it very simply uh builds a story around 
he is sort of out of time with the rest of us. So it follows different timelines almost. Yep. So once he goes into space, time works very differently for him. He spends months in, in a cryo sleep kind of thing. And then when they get through the, the, the wormhole and near the black hole, time works differently, which we'll talk about. So it, it does flip at one point. So around the two thirds of the way through the movie, you flip back to see the story of what was happening on earth while they were in space and you kind of track the progression and it's really interesting how they've done it because coop's moving on a, a, a linear time path that's exponentially quicker that's slower sorry than everyone else's so you, everyone else is getting older and older and older so we mentioned different characters playing different people so you've got timothy chalamet playing his son who is tom but then later on you've got casey affleck playing tom as a, an older yeah, yeah. grown-up person with yeah. kids of his own and it's the case of that their life uh, their life and time is on completely different courses and it, it really explains that pretty well through and the it's movie, fucking i think tragic as well without getting so too into tragic. spoilers because it's like you know five minutes pass at one point and anyway we'll get into it later I, no absolutely and i'm super keen to talk about that i think one of the themes i've put of this movie or maybe time is is i think this is a tragedy like and i, and I mentioned before like the ending not for the ending kind of tr- it kind of tries to take it in a different direction which i can't wait to talk about in spoilers but yeah this is a fucking tragedy. I think it should have stayed that if way. If not for the ending. That is my biggest complaint with the movie, to be honest. Same. Beyond, beyond Same. it being meandering and long, it, it, the ending was not up to my standards, which are very high, Tommy. Yeah. Very, very high standards. Yeah, I mean, for, <laughs> for a man who doesn't watch movies, you're... Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, I was going to say, the, the, you touched on themes, though. What Real, real quick, let's, let's do that. You down? Because there's a bunch. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about themes. I've said this is a tragedy, but do you want to expand on that? Give me a little I did, bit more. Well, I just think that the best parts of the themes are like this cycle of denial. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, and it's about humanity and, and how they like before they, they muse, they think about the fact that like, Oh, well we can just keep trying to grow more crops. And it's like, no, you know, it's not going to work. Why are you doing it? So there's that element. Yeah. 100%. There's the, you know, we're not, there's a real, this. there's a really interesting juxtaposition in that. Sorry. There's, yeah. In that exact point, there's a really interesting juxtaposition between his two kids. So there's Tom who we just mentioned who ends up being Casey Affleck. And there's his other kid who is Murph, who starts off as Mackenzie Foy, who I feel like I should know who that is, but I really, really can't remember she's, who it is. She's famous. It ends up being Jessica Chastain. Jessica yeah, Chastain. Chastain. She's in a bunch of stuff. And that, exactly what you've just describing, is almost built into their two characters. So Jessica Chastain wants to follow her dad and, you know, find a way to get off Earth and fi- find a, a, a new life for humanity, whereas Tom is so ingrained in farming and yep. earth he is all about he, he's got his head so stuck in the ground that he can't see past the dirt that he's covering this whole yeah he's like earth. you know he's devoted his whole life to it he's in a denial now that he can't he's so he can't comprehend it. changing the fact that he just wasted his life whole farm farming for no reason and that's a tough mindset to get out of right and she can't comprehend the fact that there's a chance like that like that her dad actually didn't do this be, like because he couldn't help himself, but because he actually did want to, he did think he was the best for the job and to save her, right? Like there, yeah. cause there is an element of him that was excited to do this, but was it yeah, overweighted by the fact that it actually needed to be done? I guess they, they put that debate out there and she, she can't get over that. There's also, you know, without spoiling it, Matt Damon's whole little yeah cameo, that cycle of denial, no, like, I think I think we should probably try and save him for spoilers. Yeah, it's yeah. completely like distilled there. So, 
I thought that was a big. It's a theme. really interesting. That's yeah. a really interesting part, and we can we can talk about that for sure. I think we've we've not done a fantastic job really of describing <laughs> how you get to the different points of the movie. But like, I mean, it's a hard movie to really distill, and I think that's part of the point of it. The main point that we actually probably haven't described well is the fact that while while Matthew McConaughey Cooper is traversing solar systems to go find the new home, and time is moving much slower for him and faster for Murph, his daughter. She, him leaving has made her so obsessed at finding a way to get him back home that she's become the mathematician and she's studying under the yeah. mathematician to convince Matthew McConaughey to leave to help him find the answer to the algorithm that will allow him to basically come back home via some weird space. And, it, and it's weird because it's a, McGu- it's a really good McGurfin. performance because it's almost like a passive aggressive, it's almost like a passive aggressive need for him to come back. It's like she's so angry with yeah, him. Yeah. She, she, almost wants him to come back so she can tell him how angry she is with him yeah. it's like it's it's incredible it's, and it's really interesting i think that sort of leans on like the performances i you know we've mentioned chastain a couple of times she's she's really good in this and she's not actually got that big a part i don't feel considering the length of the movie like i feel like she could have been a more a, even more fleshed out you reckon I, th- I thought she was pretty pivotal to it yeah, she, she is but like i don't know how she is via screen time but she rings out to me as like a pretty important yeah yeah that character only comes about sort of two-thirds of the way into the movie when she's grown yeah, up like true. there's obviously young murph all the way through and then out of nowhere she's she's grown up um but it's it's also interesting mentioning performances because this is i mean this for me like he's obviously done a lot but this was the first time i think i really really realized that mcconaughey was past his rom-com stage really he is he is a a serious actor and i can't remember if this came before or after wolf of wall street but like it was between the two of them where i was like oh this guy's a serious yeah fair enough i I think that was for me was uh true detective i remember seeing that season and i was just like damn that was good oh yeah that's fair actually that was a fantastic season yeah yeah we're sort of dovetailing between points i i did have one question for you actually while we're while we're talking about performances what did you uh what do you think about Hathaway's hair? Uh, I don't want to make fun of that. I'm not a fan of like short. She had short hair, right? Yeah. I'm no, not, it was it was a big deal at the time. I'm not apparently a big fan of short of hair that. in general. No, I think it's uh, I think it's funny because it was like a, apparently a big controversy at the time, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, what's?" And I was just like, "I I didn't even notice." Like I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, she's got a haircut. Who cares?" But genuinely, one thing I did find interesting on a ser- more serious note was. The, the robots, you know, the TARS robots, yeah, they those, have, those cool. big Tetris <laughs> kind of Jenga blocks. They were so interesting. And I think I didn't give them enough credit the first time I watched this movie. How interesting the design was? Not not even that. Like, we'll talk about the that the sort of design in, in, in a quick sec. But the fact that they are genuine personalities, mm. like there are certain parts about them. For example, they have a humor setting, which I find equally hilarious and equally terrifying. <laughs> The fact that they're ex that they're ex military, right? I think that's what they are, and they were using the military previously. And they're these big blocks that they bring on the spaceship, and they can help out or they can help do uh, calculations and stuff. Yeah. And there's a there's a bit about it which is they have an honesty setting. Now that terrified me. Like if you imagine a computer which is supposed to just be completely non-binary, completely binary, yes or no, having an honesty setting. You you like oh, how do I look today? You look great. Is that the ten percent telling me that, or is that the ninety percent that's honest? Like I don't know. It, yeah, it totally plays off Alien, right? That Alien was like the first thing I time. saw that like really big did time. that super well. That was actually that was actually in contention for being one of my stupid plot summary 
you know, jests. Because, yeah. I mean, like I said, it is well, well trodden sci fi ground just with Chris Nolan's interesting lens on it. But, like, we mentioned the sort of pacing of this, and, like, it's kind of slow, and I personally found it to be too slow. What did you think? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. I think it, they just took a little long getting to where they wanted to go. Yeah, and, and, and I think it crosses a line between Nolan being deliberate you know in his choices and his styling and his uh, storytelling and just just being slow <laughs> and we're going to talk about it as i mentioned as i mentioned but like i think maybe it's 30 minutes too long yeah is it, yeah is it too long like and honestly i don't even mind that it was like slow in the beginning because it was really beautiful yeah and, and cinematography man wow yeah it, it was it was really cool well we can i guess we can transition to that but like when it started to take a turn towards the end, like, and they were attacking on things towards the ending, like added, added mm-hmm. strife. I was like, mm-hmm. this needs to go like, cause it's not even beautiful Big now. Time. It's like, you're taking this ending a place. I don't want it to go anyway. Like that's where I would have cut, you know, I, I think at least. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about that because yeah. I, I've got a few points that I think, I think we might agree on. I don't <laughs> like agreeing with you, Dre. I want idea. I want, I want <laughs> you to be, I want you to say opposite things, yeah. but uh, yeah, that like, I, I think, there's a really interesting contradiction in this between how it's shot, the cinematography. For example, on Earth, like I mentioned, it's gray, it's bleak, it's boring. But as soon as they get into space, yeah. it's clean, yeah. it's crisp. Everything becomes that little bit brighter because there's nothing graying up the set. There's no Zack Snyder <laughs> Instagram filters on the screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I, and I love that. And he, it's that's that's clearly a Chris Nolan decision to be like, this is how we differentiate the stories. There's this story on Earth. It's this bleak. It's this, this desolate land. And then the space, which is the hope and the final frontier. And how do we, you know, expand the human race past where it's not supposed to die? Totally. On board, man. I agree. I think, um, I mean, what else have we not talked about? You talked about the cinematography. We've talked about the pacing. It's a bit meandering. We've talked about the castings a bit, which uh, I thought were overall really good. The acting was pretty damn good. And Anne Hathaway fell flat for me a few times, but I think that was more the concept behind it than anything. Like, um, behind the writing for her. Uh, this is one of the ones that Christopher Nolan had, like, I guess, in the plot and the character side, since we're talking about that. They actually had, the characters had motivations. Yeah. Well, let's go, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. This is, like, one of the more character films that he's made. They gave, like, legitimate motivations tied to, like, what's happened to the characters, what's happening around them. And, like, it was, those were believable. Yeah. For both the son, the daughter, you know, uh, Cooper and um in hathaway because when they yeah, yeah absolutely agreed so well, we talk we talk a lot when we do these episodes especially especially when we're looking at chris nolan and our anthologies that yeah. you know many of his movies he doesn't he doesn't nail that he doesn't quite get it right no. in terms of the character development and their motivations whereas it's so interesting this the the, the torn nature of coop and how like he wants to stay with his kids but he knows that for them to have any sort of future he has to leave them I find like I mean that's a big theme for me in, in this whole movie. It's you know what's for the greater good. Yeah. Um, nature versus nurture. Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? I, I'd love that. Yeah, totally. I think it's like a really cool question to explore as well because you're like he is probably even in an well you can tell that he's in an internal debate with himself of like am I just mm-hmm. doing this because I like this is what gets me high right like this is what I want to do I want to yeah. explore. 
and or am I doing this because I think I have a legitimate chance? Like, am I doing this knowing that I'm going to die because it's still exciting to me because no one's ever fucking done yeah. it before? Or am I doing this because, like, you know, I want to actually help my kids? Yeah, and we're going to talk about a bunch of... I think we're going to deep dive that in a minute. There's a couple of things I want to mention before we do. I think this movie's really helped in terms of building those character developments, personally, by by some of the musical choices. And it's it's interesting saying that because... Good old Hans Zimmer. Hans is back, man, yeah. and he's, he's so good. But I, you can tell that Chris has had a word with him, and Chris, I'm saying it as if he's my best mate. Chris had a word with him and been like let's sci-fi the shit out of this like let's uh, like we've done inception we've got that noise we don't we don't want that that's not what this is about (laughs) but i think in terms of the character moments and the the times when uh, it really hits home the decisions coops made the music choices and uh, are really really interesting in my uh, my opinion because there's a lot of time when you're in space and i've used the word terrifying and it kind of is when there is just no sound yeah and a lot of the times you'll notice when coop's having the calls from home or the videos from home and he's seeing them growing up that his kids growing up and he's lamenting his decisions at times and there's just no sound there's no music in the background there's no score and you just sort of left with this the, the weight of you know the decision and that's that's a really bold choice yeah yeah no it is and it's it was well done like that part was really well done i don't think that anything was really poorly done in this movie it was just like certain decisions were made that well yeah you really want to talk about that let me let me say one more thing then before we move on of course of course uh i i i I need to somehow build into this that um there was a physicist who worked with chris nolan on this a dude called kip thorne and one of the things he said was, we will do anything for the story as long as it works with, we can make the science work. So a lot of this is based on scientific Theoretical theory. science. A, a, a lot of his own th- theoretical science, might I add. And especially things like, we, we, we haven't really talked about the black hole yet. We haven't really had a chance to. But the black hole, the really interesting thing is they didn't really know what one of them looked like at the time. And they sort of built this model of what a black hole could look like. And since we've had images of black holes and it's scarily similar to what they sort of created in this. Have we actually? It's genuinely really interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. So like they have an image of a black hole now and it kind of just looks like almost like the ring of Sauron. It's really fucking scary. Uh, it's just like, Fuck, you can, it's just light essentially disappearing around yeah. this ring. It's it's really cool. But a lot of his theories were used in this and he essentially kept Nolan in check a lot of the time. One of the things Nolan wanted to use was faster than light travel. And he was like, absolutely. Kip Thorne was like, absolutely not. That's not something that can be done. It won't ever be done. We're not going to use that, which I thought was cool. And, you know, it, it kind of worked and it made sense. One thing they did use in this was a lot of uh, a lot of practical stuff. You know, it's, it's classic Nolan to be using practical effects and a lot of the spaceships are practical and all that sort of thing. And it makes sense to have, if you've got real things, don't have them doing unrealistic stuff, mm-hmm. you know? totally totally i don't know how you feel about that i think that i didn't know that but that's actually exciting like that's cool yeah it's so it's so interesting right if i knew that before watching the movie that would might have you might get more out of it i think knowing that like most of this stuff is theoretically possible now obviously certain things like wouldn't happen like the end so right yeah but the the <laughs> the all the stuff leading up to it that is pretty cool and i'm looking at this image of a black hole it's like fucking trippy it's wild anyway it is trippy, right? All right. Well, tell me then, before we quickly move on, what are your three best and three worst for this movie? Uh, I'm intrigued. Spoiler, spoiler. I want to know what you think. 
Yeah, I guess my three worst I'll start with. How about that? <clears throat> Get the worst out of yeah, the Yeah, go for it. Um, why is everyone always like so close and related in these movies? Like the one spaceship guy that can do this happens to be the father of the best mathematician in the world who like goes and studies under his mate that he used to work with. Like just like a little too connected. And I do appreciate. I suppose she became the best. I mean, dude who like, okay. So becomes the best magician mathematician in the world, which isn't easy to do by. By the way, yeah, magician. Is this the prestige again? Mathematician. Uh, <laughs> which isn't easy to do, by the way. So it's kind of like, give me a break, you know? Like, add some diversity in this. It doesn't have to be the yeah, white guy and the yeah. white girl who's the mathematician who were... Like, she still could have been involved true. in the story with that not being her, I guess, her role. Destiny. I feel like I feel like that was a big problem with a lot of Nolan's movies. He's obviously tried to... Um, change that opinion with you know Tanette having the main character as uh denzel washington's son i'm looking at this oppenheimer cast emily blunt Cillian, Cillian murphy florence Pugh, matt damon remy malik uh downey jr josh hartnett that's a lot of white people and it's not even just that like if there was more diversity it'd be great it's also the fact that like i just don't think it's believable that like that would happen and it'd be like really sure. cool to have like the really, really smart person actually be separate given the themes that love ties everything together and have it, yeah. have that happen. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. For two people that are very independent of each other. All right. Give me, give me your other okay. worst. Anyway, the, um, the ending, which we can't talk about, but it's, you know, we'll at, talk about in a at a high level, it's, it's not my favorite. Um, my other worst, like, is just, again, the pacing, which we've, we've kind of already talked about. So I'm mm. being a bit redundant. I mean, I kind of agree with a lot of them. I think my I think much like last week, in fact, almost exactly the same as last week. My third best and third worst tie together, so I'll save them. I've just said for my worst that I find the movie a bit frustrating at times. Yeah. Um, like I find that it literally, like I said at the beginning, it's bleak. It doesn't offer you any hope. It's a bit like the Batman thing, right? So the hope is what keeps you going, but inevitably you know it's nothing. Like you're not, you, hope yeah. isn't going to help you in the end. Where the ending's kind of optimistic, like you mentioned, and it, it just doesn't fit the movie or the tone of the movie. And we'll get into that in a moment. And that frustrated me a lot. Like it, I almost feel like it could have been like the, you know, the Leo DiCaprio movie we talked about from a week or so ago, Don't Look Up. Yeah. It could have been the same. Like it could have just been bleak and I'd have been down with that, but it's not. Anyway. I I found it sort of interesting and kind of scary how much like the situ that is a this is the situation we are driving towards right this is almost a uh, it's not even a mirror image of our world it's just what's going to happen in <laughs> yeah, sort of fifty like years time and scares the absolute piss out of me I'm not going to lie to you so that's in worst because I don't like to be that confronted <laughs> by my movies <laughs> oh, I'm kidding of course I mean it's fair like it, it should scare you right. Yeah, of course, absolutely. My my last one is just the the ambiguity of it. Like, there's times in it where I just was frustrated by some. We talked about the science of it. The science kind of grounds it in theoretical reality, but I I wanted it to be more. I on on one hand wanted it to be more ambiguous, and we'll talk about that with the ending in a minute. And on one hand, was like, it. Some of the stuff it, it goes into is just nonsensical we'll we'll talk about that in a minute and in fact that is my first best as well funnily enough like i liked some of the ambiguities in like it. what parts in in particular are, are you, can you talk about them i'm curious 
I can't. We'll okay, talk okay. about it when we get into spoilers. I'm going to leave it at. I'll, I'll quickly run through my other, my other bests. Um, I liked the the ambition. I said almost arrogance of the lofty ideas of it. Like you know, it is it is a very deep movie, and I, I really did enjoy that about it. And the practical effects. I touched on them at the end. Yeah, they're really they're good. insane. They're so Nolan as well. So Nolan. They are, and they're just like uh, like I just I wonder how we even film some of this like. You know these space shots, miniatures, with the ships all miniatures. Like... You have like these tiny, like yeah. tiny recreations of like a, a tenth of the size, or whatever. And it's a lot of the the stuff they do as well. I won't go too hard into it, but a lot of the stuff they do is is front projection. Mm. So, for example, when it, Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway are in the the spaceship, they genuinely have like a projection of space in front of them. So they're not just staring at a green screen. They are reacting to stuff that's happening. That's like, cool. That looks like space. Yeah. And I find that really, it's it's interesting that it's giving them something to act against. Whereas you look at something like the Lord of the Ra- the, the, the Hobbit, they like, just had to pretend. And it's just nonsense. <laughs> it's like what's his name? Emporium McKellen broke down crying on the set, being like, "This isn't what I do acting for." This that was on the Hobbit, right? To act with. Yeah. The what Hobbit, what happened yeah. there? Do you like? Sorry to get off topic, but you've mentioned that many times. Like you obviously, I'm curious. Green screen. He was just over it. He was just like, he was acting to a green wall and he was like, why am I doing this? I want, uh, this isn't what I'm into. Yeah. Cause he's, he's all about the, the theater and stuff as well. So anyway, give me your three best super quickly before we move on. Yeah. My three best were the visuals, as you've said, and cinematography, the 20 years via a video sequence. I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. That's and cool. like that whole scene was like one of the best scenes I think in any of his movies he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Well, we'll talk about Matt Damon yeah. in just a sec because that's a really interesting part of the movie and it really adds to the tones and themes. So is this then, before we move on, better or worse than Aquaman 2018? It is definitely better. No doubt about it, better. Okay. You don't agree? I gonna disagree with you on that front just wow i i just wanted to disagree with you to perfectly like no i i believe this is probably one of my all-time sort of favorite movies in a sense it really is i love it um the constant sense of dread you know the the knowledge that this is probably going to be our fate in the real world but i have to say i find it worse than Aquaman 2018 i don't want that weight in my entertainment i don't want to be reminded that we're all going to die you came to the wrong place didn't you in 50 years but are we though um, tommy the, I, the ending it's just <laughs> aquaman is big fun and it's stupid and there are times when you just don't need to be reminded that we're all going to die fair enough i can and i don't want that right now understand so that i'm going to absolutely go back on that in in future episodes but for the moment i'm going to say that let's let's talk about this ending then we've been skipping around it spoilers from here and out for interstellar 2014 that i'm sure everyone's seen by now but let's talk about the this big ending yes so the the sort of ending then is is this sort of split ending right so you've got mcconaughey in space still the same age trying to find a planet to essentially humans can uh, repopulate and restart over on again. Yes. And you've got his daughter Murph, who's aged rapidly, back on Earth, who is trying to find a solve an equation which will allow humans to leave Earth. Gravity is the problem. We can't get off Earth because gravity. Gravity is a constant, it, which it's, is kind of funny. It's too too strong. <laughs> well, exactly. That's the point. Yeah. But they need data from a black hole to do this. Mm. And what they find is on their travels, once they've gone through the wormhole, they're looking at these 
other planets to find out if any of them are vi viable to live on there is a black hole which is near one of them and what essentially happens is matthew mcgonaghy's coop uh realizes they don't have enough power on the ship or energy on the ship to go to the final planet one of the one of three to, to see if it's viable for human life and he jettisons and hathaway off towards this planet while allowing himself to be sucked into the black hole and essentially he thinks die right he thinks he's just gonna get crushed You've to death done very well look at this what happens in the black <laughs> hole is he finds that he is magically transported to this fifth dimension in between dimensions the, yeah who knows who knows how he got there who who knows and in this dimension time becomes a physical thing that he can see all of at once right so he's seeing this yeah. big i call it a library that's the only way i can really describe it this big library of time where he can see all of coop's all of murph's life all of his life all of everything happening and he realizes that through gravity the thing that they can't get over on earth through gravity he can send her messages via various things uh dust and a mm -hmm. watch and stuff uh, <laughs> that she can then use to figure out this equation from the data he's got from being sucked into this black hole now there are so many so many so many problems with this and i'd i just want to know what your thoughts about this are like in the first place because that's sort of a vague overview of it and I've watched a bunch of videos about how this is about fifth dimension and it's about the human race of uh, become a higher, become a higher race and no longer are bound by four dimensions. They can now have the fifth dimension, however many they want, whatever it is. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how I feel about it. So I don't mind the concept of it. Like, you know, I, I thought that like the concept mm -hmm. of this library, because it was like someone was trying to help them, right? Someone was trying to, uh, yeah. it's implied. Someone from the future. It is implied. and But like, I just I said, they say, they say they or them are trying to help us because they, these them or they create like the wormhole. Yeah, exactly. Which is like the, an exterior force, whether it's an alien, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I just think that it's a kind of a get out of jail free card for all our bullshit Big time. and so it's kind of like Big i would have liked it to be more like i would have liked them to make a stronger choice and make it a tragedy like where he he's able to basically this is what i was he's saying. able to basically maybe maybe reach his daughter and have that moment but you know that life on earth isn't great after mm. right like or like that well, may, that yeah. might be too nihilistic but like for it all to end the way it does which is like he survives she survives Everybody survives. They're on a space station. He get, he gets sucked into the black hole and then somehow just big time goes teleports to the future space station. Like it's just a bit too many stretches for me. You know, I got a question for yeah. you about that that I'm going to ask you in a minute. But the first, my first point around this is right. This becomes a paradox when you think about it. So first and foremost, for humanity to have reached this stage in the future where they found a new dimension and they can see time or whatever it is and they can they can affect it all at once, which is kind of, I think, the the plot to Arrival, if I'm not wrong. Uh, we watched that yes. one together. That was yes. a good movie. So for them to have reached this stage and to send someone back to help Coop out, they ha how did they get off the planet in the first place to get to this stage? So without the information Coop sends back, they don't get off the planet, right? But he can't have been sent back. 
he can't have ended up in this fifth dimension without someone getting to this higher plane of existence first. So you go in, you end up in a loophole it is whereby a paradox. he can't be saying that. Yeah. It's it's a paradox. And, but all and time travel. That's what is. frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's what frustrates me. And it's the, it's the Dumbledore thing, right? Like who who cast the Patronus first? It doesn't make sense. Like someone has to have done it in the first place. Yes. And if they can get to that stage I without bet. sending him back. Yeah. There's an answer to that. That's it's just not human. A wizard did it. It's, it's no, it's not humans. <laughs> it's some some interdimensional force. Like it's like an it's kind of implied that it or, is humans, yeah. which I find I, I frustrates. Do you me. think it's that it is? That Do you think that that's a, what he's he's confirmed? It that's as? kind of what they say in the movie. I think they imply that it's humanity having transcended to this uh, higher plane. Which, well, eh, yeah, I'm not eh, a huge fan of that. But which is sort of fine. So you said before, like you thought, um, you thought this whole bit could have been cut. I'm agreeing with you, right? This is the bit for me that doesn't help the movie. It gives it that optimism at the end. Everyone's alive. Everyone gets away. I would have loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. If Coop had have been sucked into this black hole. And fine. We can see Murph finding out how to solve the problem. We can see her going back to her old room and, you know, finding all the, the, the notes from whatever, whatever, f from what is essentially him in the library. But don't show me that. Leave that ambiguous. That's what I want. I want that ambiguity in the middle. Like, how was it? Was it Coop going to the black hole and finding a higher dimension? Was was it aliens? Who knows? They found a way off Earth, but we don't know Coop's fate, and that would have made that would have made this a lot more interesting to me. And he doesn't live. Maybe would have made it more bittersweet. You don't. Well, you don't know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, that's more like what Nolan typically does. Yeah, I didn't mind like the library thing because like I, it's a little bit on the nose, but it's more like the outcome of it and like. Yeah. But I, I yeah. take your point. I think that would be cool. There'd be easier, more subtle ways to imply that it was him throughout the movie that Christopher Nolan generally has done. With other Big movies time. like that. So I agree. That could be pretty cool. Completely agree. I, th I I also did have a question and I sort of mentioned it before. And I wondered this, like because of the tonal shift at the very end and how it, comp it, t it almost takes a U-turn for me. It's like, what is happening? This is a different, different movie almost. Like he gets everything he wants. That's not how a Chris Nolan movie works. Do you maybe think that that ending, so from the point he goes into the, the black hole, could that be like a metaphor for the afterlife? Could it be like, oh, you know, maybe this is all happening in his mind because there is a fantastic scene when he's talking to Matt Damon, which we'll talk about in just a sec. He's talking to Matt Damon and Matt Damon's like, when you're about to die and it's your final moments, your brain shows you the things that you're, you most are, you're, you're fighting for most, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and for Cooper, it would obviously be his kids and his kids getting away and having this bright future. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, could could it be just a metaphor? I mean, for him that dying? how cool would that have been if they kept it vague enough that we, you know, and and that conversation was pointed as like one of the I'm things that like the made it vague. Like I think that that would have been a really really cool way to do it. I agree. You've convinced me. I would have loved it if yeah. they'd have just either changed the perspective or maybe changed the focus, changed just the sheen on the screen. Yeah, just made it something subtle enough. Yeah. That you could have been a bit like the ending of Inception, which I know we're going to talk about next time we do one of these. Yeah. A bit like that ending. You don't even, you don't even need to like do that enough. much of a change. Just like just highlighting the conversation, and then having what he said be what happens, with like a one little subtle other thing would that be might enough. have been slamming in your face. It would be enough bit, for Nolan people to to the figure Matt it Damon out. conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I I feel yeah I I definitely feel like that. It, it, my personal opinion, like you, I'd I'd love to know yours. My personal opinion is that's a better ending to this. Wait, way it's better. All ambiguous. I 100% agree. 
I hundred percent like agree. the ending, and, and, and it could be it could be that, but there are no indicators in the movie that that's what it is. It's too. It ends too on the nose. It ends way too on the nose. Yeah. There was that one conversation with Matt Damon where he essentially calls out, you know, this is this is what could happen to you in your final moments. This is what the science indicates happens to you in your final moments. Like you'll see the bright future. You'll see everything being being rosy and glossy and great. But the ending doesn't doesn't support that unfortunately yeah. but i'd love to know what you think about this ending because like I, i've no i've jibbed on about it a lot it's a lot though right look i yeah, i i toy with like I, I thought the like part where he's like helping her discover things and the time is like a catalog is cool i didn't hate it i did hate i like the effects yeah i i did hate like the the fact that we see him leave and meet the old her and like i just didn't God, need yeah. that that's not good is i it? didn't need no. that and she didn't need it either. No. She found a way to overcome. Like that kind of devalues her whole arc, right? That was her whole struggle. It was too rosy. It was yeah. like it, it would have been better for it to be realistic. Like you're not. You're never gonna know what did it. Your motivation to find find your dad and tell him, or your dad leaving in the first. Like you know what I mean? It was like this chicken egg thing. I like like that. was it destiny or was it you and yeah. your own like you know how you how you basically uh operationalized your your anger right like people call that people call her ending out as it's actually quite a good moment for her because she sends him away she's like look i've lived my life uh and it's been without you you're not part of it it's great i can say goodbye but like you go and find your own sort of destiny now but I'm I, like I'm with you, man. You, I didn't I didn't need to see that. Yeah. Like, give me give give me an ambiguous ending. Let me yeah. think it's all in his mind, whatever it might be. So, I'm I agree, man. I I completely I'm on board with that. I did have one other question as well, which is, why does Chris Nolan hate happiness so much? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, the, the, well, he doesn't the, in this the one. Seventy five percent of this movie, oh, the end, the, the last ten minutes, sure, yeah. but the the seventy five, eighty, ninety percent of the movie where. It's about the life we're about to be living in 50 years' time. Fuck, man, that's depressing. Yeah, well, someone needs to call it out, to be fair. Yeah. Um, not to... Well, no one's done anything about it, yeah. have they? I, I, so I think that he... Uh, I just think he likes really... like. I think like depressing things are usually, you know, they ha- like they, they hit harder, right? Yeah, they do. Happy, that's jolly, a, yeah. like feel-good stories hit really hard too, but they usually are happy, jolly, feel-good because there's a depressing element to them. Now this is a yeah. little bit more depressing. I, I completely agree. Than most and it, it, it makes sense. It's it's about the human condition, right? Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about the sort of space exploration journey. So uh, McConaughey, Hathaway, and others go through a wormhole, which, by the way, uses the exact same. You know the bit where he folds the paper and he pushes the pencil through. Yeah. I think that's in about six different movies. I'm pretty sure that's in Event Horizon, among lots of others. Yeah, I mean it is uh, pretty. So. They go. They go to a bunch of different planets. We're gonna talk. I'll talk. I'm bringing you around to Matt Damon. I promise. The the first that there are three planets they go through to, after this wormhole that are potential for human life. The first one they they go to. The second one they don't have enough energy to get to. And the third one is Matt Damon's planet. The first one is just this planet which is completely water, right? Completely water with these gigantic waves Pretty cool. every hour or so wipe you out. I just have one sort of query about this part, which is why do they even land on it? What's the point? You get there, you see it's all water. 
you're not going to make like a fucking, I don't know, Sydney Harbour boat party style float for everyone to live on. That's just not going to happen. So why just turn around and fuck off? Because there was a, there was meant to be a uh, scientist that had a bunch of readings that was working that they were going to pick. Who they immediately found was dead. (laughs) Well, at that point, they wanted the readings to understand. There was other shit that they could use from it, I think. They didn't know they were dead when they until they landed, right? God, he got he got it. So it was, yeah. it was more to get the the, the data. It was to get the, the data pick, and sense. also pick her up. Like it, they were there, so it's like you know if if it was them, they, they would have liked to alive. be picked up. Yeah. And it was kind of rather than just be on this planet dead. Um, but also like just because there's water doesn't mean you couldn't live on it, right? Like the, like that's not the end of the world. Water's a good thing. Look, yeah. look, man, we're not all Aquaman. We can't all do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the most interesting planet for me, though, because this is the one where an hour on our time is because it's next to the black hole is seven. Ye- sorry, an hour on this planet's time is seven years in Earth years. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Just that idea. Yeah, it's wild. Like, how does that like, oh, man, like that whole thought of everyone aging around you and you just staying the same is just that's one of my tones and themes of this movie. And it just. That just freaks me out. Entirely. No, I mean, it's a really, think? really freaky concept. It, it was yeah. like, I remember that scene. So after that, that mission fucks up and they're down there for way longer than they meant to be. And yes. they figure it they're out down when they get like back up. Years. They figure out like, fuck, we have really fucked it. And he's like, how much time has gone down on earth? And they tell him and it's been like, I don't know, like 14 years or some 20 years. I can't remember. I think it's, she, yeah, she's like, it's a like, old, like, she's like a woman years. and her, his son has kids and they're like, well, you know, because when they get back to the space yeah. station, the the astronaut though with the black dude, he he's aged like twenty years or something. He's Has like he? I didn't even realize that. That's crazy. Yeah, he's he's because like he's gone gray and he's like yeah, and then that's when they realize they don't have the power to project themselves, pr- propel themselves towards the two other planets. Yeah. So they then have to choose between Anne Hathaway. I, th- I think Anne Hathaway is in love with. Uh, yeah, Matt she's, Damon, she's no, she's Man. in love with one of the other. Isn't it the other guy? She's in love with the other guy. I can't actually remember. And and oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah and and right. they're debating which one to do. And the other guy's like readings are a bit worse than Matt Damon's, which are actually fraudulent. And she's saying we only find out when we get. Yeah, there, you don't yeah. find that out till later. But they're fraudulent readings because he didn't want to die alone. He wanted to be picked up. So he's like, "Fuck yeah. this planet! Actually sucks. If I give the data, they're never gonna come. I'm gonna die here." And and now that's a super interesting part it of the is, movie. It that is that whole loneliness. Yeah. And, and oh it, man, it's just like so cool and they, so interestingly done as well. His performance was fantastic for sure. And it was so surprising when I saw the movie. I was like, "What the fuck, Matt Damon?" <laughs> Same. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's like there's a great bit when. So what happens is they arrive and he they realize that the planet is uninhabitable and Matt Damon's just trying to get off. And Matt Damon's fighting with Matthew McConaughey because he wants to get off this planet and find a way home. Yeah. And he's headbutting him and cracking Matt, uh, Matthew McConaughey's visor to try and essentially kill him. Yeah. And McCon- McConaughey's like, you've got a 50-50 chance that you're going to die here. And Matt Damon's like, that's a better chance. Best I've odds had I've had in years. years. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah. such a good line. I'm like, wow, that's so interesting. Uh, and then obviously he, he messes up the the spaceship he tries to dock with it and it, it doesn't fix and he blows out the ship it's that's where the action there isn't much action action in no. this movie but that's where it no. really like hits home the wave like, scene as well the vastness of space where they're like catching the yeah, wave cool. with the spaceship i was like wow that's wild <laughs> yeah it's so good right yeah. that that whole scene is they're, they're basically surfing it yeah. right yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean like that matt damon character for me is is the sort of he is 
the flip the flip of McConaughey. He's he's lost everything. He doesn't feel there's any hope for the universe anymore. You know, McConaughey's trying feels like there's still hope, and you know maybe we'll we'll be able to find a planet. Whereas he's just like, get me the fuck out of here. I just don't want to die alone. Yeah, and it makes you wonder if you were him, what would you do? Yeah, what would you do? It's a fair uh, question to ask. Anyway, there's two two last bits then before we move on to a little bit of correspondence and. Maybe we could rank the movies. We've talked about, so far we've done Memento, we've done Prestige, we've done Tenet, and we've talked about this. And I'm interested to know uh, how you, in terms of the, the Nolan the Nolanthology we're doing, the Antholan? The Antholan. <laughs> None of the those words. Antholan um, Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which of those four movies is your favorite so far? So we've seen, you said Interstellar, we've seen Prestige, we've seen Memento, Memento and Tenet. Tenet. Well, Tenet's the worst. I agree. Um, of these. Of these. I can't remember how we did it last time, so this is going to be completely fresh. I think my favorite so far is actually The Prestige. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then I would say Memento and then Interstellar. Okay, all right. I agree with you. I think Tanette's probably my least favorite of the four. Yeah. I'm struggling because I I said I think Aquaman's better than this, but I would probably say this is my second favorite after Memento. It's not that I don't like Prestige. It's that I think I'd rather watch this than Prestige. I love the acting in Prestige. Now, I've seen it so many times now that I wouldn't want to watch it again, but I just love those two okay. actors. They just bounce off each other well. This... I, I think Memento has been my favorite so far just because it was so different and it was so interesting and the themes and the cinematography style and how one story was going one way and one story was going the other and how the first 20 minutes were in Italian. Uh, <laughs> I just felt like that, that movie was probably my favorite of these thus far. So it's all right. Maybe it's Memento, Prestige, this, and then Tenet. All right. So now we know the definitive ranking of Nolan movies we've talked about. All right. Let's do a little bit of true or false trivia yeah let's do it i'm down <laughs> you're down let's do this all right i'll be qu we'll be quick because we this is a long episode i've realized i don't know if i was feeling it or i was just tired i was like fuck it's actually feeling i'm feeling a bit exhausted anyway all carry right. on it's your favorite metro episodes you should have been so into this all right final bits of um true or false trivia true or false According to Dr. Kip Thorne, I mentioned before, the physicist who worked on this, the, the largest uh, degree of creative license in the movie were the clouds on the ice planet, which are structures that probably go beyond material strength, which ice would be able to support. True. So the ice planet is Matt Damon's planet. True. It is true. I find that really interesting. They're, they're in the movie, they sort of effectively are like, this looming threat that could attack at any moment. And I find that really interesting that that's the thing that they took the most like creative license with. Well, because it was like know, acid rain or something. Hole. Yeah. I can't hundred percent. It was the ice clouds, yeah. but yeah, that I find that super interesting. So that's, that's one for one. You do, you're doing well here this week, Drazif. Um, next, next one. Um, George Lucas was originally attached to direct this movie in 2006 and hired Jonathan Nolan to write the screenplay, um, but chose another project instead. In 2012, uh, with Lucas's departure, Jonathan Nolan took it to his brother Chris, who did uh, a treatment of the screenplay and made his own movie. True or false? False. You're right. It was actually Steven Spielberg. Spielberg had the rights to this apparently for ages. Mm. 
George Lucas just seems like this is too heady for him. Ah, uh, space. He likes a space opera. He's all... Uh... Yeah, that's about all it's got in common. <laughs> yeah, that's actually fair. All right, last last one then. The apocalyptic Earth setting uh, in this movie is actually inspired by a Dust Bowl disaster that took place in the central areas of the United States and Canada during the Great Depression yep. in the 1930s. True, for sure. Well, I know that all that stuff did happen, but that just sounds true. Yes. It is true, right? That That's super interesting. I had no idea about all this. I was having a little read about it before. And Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I learned about it in school. Did you? It's part of like what caused the Great Depression to be way worse because there was like no crops. So the prices were expensive. Ah, yeah. Yeah. that makes a lot of sense. All right. History. All right, well, thank you everyone for sticking with it we do appreciate it that was our i want to say rambling overview of um interstellar this week we were a little rambling yeah i'm not uh, yeah i wasn't sure my sharpest today uh hopefully this death month of january is over see the the light at the end of the tunnel yeah dl's back next next week with a plum all right yeah (laughs) Um, let's do a little bit of correspondence uh if you where can they find us if they want to get in contact the podcast assemble at gmail.com or podcast assemble on instagram yes they can last week i asked for any memes and we well we had a couple of fantastic ones thank you uh, everyone who sent us memes one i picked that i thought i thought you would like it's um this is by oh god I've cut out the name of the friend of the show apologies um I don't have who this is I'll 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 work it out for next week however the meme they sent is essentially you have to pick two movie franchises and you have to mash them together and you've got four you've got eight to choose from so your choices are the Harry Potter Harry Potter Wizarding World Star Wars Jurassic Park James Bond Mission Impossible Lord of the Rings Fast and the Furious or the MonsterVerse, so Godzilla versus Kong. You have to mash them up? You have to choose two of those to mash them into, mash them up and make them into a movie. Which two are you going for? I just love the idea of the Fast and the Furious and Godzilla versus Kong in the same movie. That would be fucking Sounds hilarious. like two just blockbuster shitters. Um, I think like Lord of the Rings with dinosaurs would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> That's just me nerding out. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah, I think what I'd about... have to Jurassic Park and Lord of the Rings, that shit. But what about Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible? Tom Tom Cruise. Also cool. <laughs> I think Tom Cruise is getting in now. We can all hope. That'd be so fucking cool. Love it. All right. That's a really good one. I'm going to post that on our Instagram, and our fans can decide which, you, which you'd like to see put together and let us know on Instagram. Uh, one more then, one more piece from a friend of the show, Chris. It's kind of in contradiction to our episode about Iron Man 3, in which we had a debate around whether it was good or bad. Fair. So, friend of the show, Chris, messaged us and said, hashtag Iron Man 3 uh, should have been darker, more emotional movie with Tony Stark having a final showdown with a terrorist organization that captured him from the first movie. I love that idea. That changes the whole sort of perspective of the film, you know? Like, it it completes his arc. He goes back to square one. Um, what do you think about that? But now you have no Guy Ritchie. <laughs> what will we do? Uh, no, I could see that happening. That sounds fair. Anything really would be better. Life anyway. is good, but it could be better. Yeah, I love that, friend of the show, Chris. That's a really interesting theory. I think having a, a stronger conclusion to that threequel arc would have been way more interesting yeah it did just feel kind of like this thing on its own didn't it 
The only yeah. thing that you got was like, oh, my mic is falling over. The only thing that you really got was Pepper Potts and him getting kind of closure. And he took the arc thing out of his chest, which he didn't, you know, he could have done moves. Anyway, let's not <laughs> talk about Iron Man 3. It's a bad movie, but I love that theory and thank you. So please do send us your fan theories or your memes. We love memes. So keep them coming and we'll read them out in next week's pod. So thank you again, everyone, for sticking with it. If you like what you're hearing, why not give us a review? Dre, I know you love a review, don't you? <laughs> you know me. I love a review. <laughs> Or two or three or four. Dude, make them bad, too. Bad, five reviews, star. bad reviews are cool. No, don't I, I do don't that mind. because algorithms. We'll, we'll never, we'll, no one will ever know about it if you give us a bad review. <laughs> I don't, is that how it works? I don't know. Don't do it then. Anyway. We'd, we'd love it if you could give us a review. That'd be fantastic. Uh, thank you very much to our social media guy, Lockie, as always. And thank you, DL. Thank you, Tommy. Until next time. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with it. Tally-ho! Bye.